Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows on the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you are not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member by signing up at patreon.com slash major spoilers. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, Motor Crush! What is your price for flight and finding Mr. Right? We'll be all right tonight with a full array of comics news reviews from the four corners of the globe and at least three different states and the quality conversations you've come to love from the Major Spoilers crew. Plus, Motor Crush, where you going, what you looking for, wherever that may be, you've come to the right place because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 865 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. As we promised, uh, we will talk about Motor Crush a little bit later in the show. But first, how about we talk a little bit of industry news? Uh, This broke Friday afternoon, just moments before Ashley and I sat down to record Finally Friday, a live show that uh, that I do every Friday, 4 o'clock p.m. Central Time. You can check it out at twitch.tv slash Major Spoilers. We'd love to have you over there and join in the conversation. But uh, Ashley, uh, Dan Dan DiDio, see, even I can't say it right. Dan (laughs) DiDio was kicked out of DC Comics uh, Friday morning, and it took everybody by surprise. Yes, including us. And we spent most of Finally Friday being like, I don't even know what to think. What's happening? And then we've had a couple official statements since then. But I still feel like, I don't really know what's happening. Yeah, and and I don't know if we've really had any. uh, Has there been some official, official statements? Because the only thing that I saw was uh, Dan DiDio. All the articles that said Dan DiDio made an official statement was just him putting out that video talking about uh, his passion for comics. But uh, I mean, apparently that is his official statement. Which yeah. is fair. It's yeah. a very nice statement. Yeah. <laughs> Dated, perhaps. Well, I mean, that's fine, too. I mean, uh, that's that's the way he's coping right now. I mean, the Friday afternoon while we were doing the show live, apparently he updated his uh, Facebook uh, page uh, photo twice. Once with, I believe, his wife. And then another time of him uh, drinking a drink on the deck of a boat overlooking the water. Um, nice. But again, there has not been any official press release or announcement from DC Comics or from Warner Brothers or from AT&T on this announcement. So when you see people going on and saying, hey, Dan DiDio was uh, fired because he's been protecting these horrible people at DC all these years. It could be true, but I mean, that's not anything anyone has said. Oh, everyone is out to get Dan DiDio because he's the worst person in the world. And so that's why they fired him. I mean, yeah. That could be true, although he was the one that uh, brought in uh, 52. Of course, he's also the one that brought in Countdown and also Contagion and all that other stuff. Um, And Rebirth. And Rebirth. Yeah, he's in charge of that, too. Oh, man. Uh, Dan Dio uh, was doing some tricky business. I mean, maybe, but there's nothing official on this. So I would encourage our listeners that when you hear that Dan DiDio has been fired and no one is telling you why, then it's probably, I mean, it is maybe kind of our business uh, to know if, especially if we are investors or uh, in the company or if we are reporters, maybe so. But if there's not been an official statement, I think it is mm, a little bit dangerous and a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Irresponsible. Um, Irresponsible to attribute reasons when you don't know the reason. Mm-hmm. So what is what is everyone's reaction? I mean, Ashley, let's start with you since we just talked with you recently on this. What is your initial reaction on this news that Dan DiDio is no longer working at DC Comics? I mean, I would still say that it is fairly shocking because Dan has been a backbone of DC for a long time, you know, and we've seen really wonderful things happen under his leadership. And we've seen things that I didn't like as much happen under his leadership, although in the interest of being fair and balanced, you can say that about anyone who's the head of mm-hmm. any company. Mm-hmm. You can say the same thing about, you know, C.B. Sobolski over at Marvel. On and on and on and on and on. No one is perfect. Um, what I think is the most interesting thing about this current state of events is it happened during um, what Pro. is, thank you so much, Comics mm-hmm. Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have 
a big convention season on the rise, which means that we have a lot of announcements that we're expecting to come. Like the timing of it seems very, very bad. Yeah. So I, and, I, at least we can say we can say that this was a surprise for everyone because people at Comics Pro were not aware of this. Dan yeah. Dio is still listed as appearing on panels at the uh, the next convention that's coming up in a couple of weeks. What is that? Like Emerald City. Emerald City. Yeah. yeah. Well, because those would have been pitched in yes. October, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what I think is change is always exciting as well, and I think that that's sort of the positive attitude that we have to have coming out of this, and we just have to hope that you know we're uh, Jeff is gone and Dan is gone, and so Jim is the one that's left, and so whoever comes to work alongside him or maybe take on the publisher role, hopefully they're exciting people as well yeah we'll get to that in, in a moment um matthew but i heard from bad faith uh, troll actor online that uh this was something that has been planned all the time because uh of of everything that the these reasons that i'm going to list that was my first response to the news that dan was no longer with dc was oh my god now we get to listen to all these people explaining why they think it happened and I feel like we're we're in a really weird kind of zone right now because a lot of people are in the um, what my brain automatically thinks of as the funereal stance of we never speak ill of those who are gone. Right. So you're like, oh, well, you know, it was great working with him. He was a nice guy in this. And occasionally you do have people are like, I'm glad he's gone. I can't draw. Oh, and there were definitely definitely a a certain group of people that were all over the I'm glad he's gone bandwagon. Sure. And, you know, that's going to happen no matter who you are. But my big thing is we don't know why. And this is very important. Also, everything that you hate about D.C. since 2004 cannot unequivocally like under no circumstances statistically can it all be Dan's fault. So even if you say I hated everything about DC since 2004, when Dan took over as executive editor, you can't say that now everything's going to turn around and be fine because this one editorial voice is gone. Yeah. That's not how any of this works. No, no. What? Change, change <laughs> happens all the time. People move in and out of positions all the time. And just because uh, somebody decided that Dan may, may or may not have been doing his job the way that that person thought that he should be doing his job as a publisher, uh, he was let go. Uh, one thing I do want to bring up, um, Rodrigo, maybe you can address this. We don't know what Dan DiDio is doing next. Uh, it has been confirmed that the Metal Men series will continue to be published through issue 12 to complete that 12 issue run. We know that. I mean, there's a good there's a good chance, too, that those scripts are done and they're yeah. just in art phases. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But we don't know where. I mean, Dan could land a job at Image Comics. Jan, Dan could land a job at Marvel. Dan could land a job as Boom Studios new um, you know, head of Honcho or whatever. Dan also started his entertainment career working in television. So there's a chance yeah. that he, you know, goes back to that and kind of mm-hmm. is like, okay, comics, I, I take your sign from the universe. It was fun while it lasted, but, but there's you know, a good I'm chance now. there's a good chance, Rodrigo, that you're going to be crossing paths with Dan again in the future if you are in the industry. So you think you should be bad mouthing somebody like that? I mean, I mean, it's certainly yeah. your opinion to do it. I'm not saying people shouldn't express their their uh thoughts but yeah you know there's a i guess there's a certain level of professionalism that we expect even on social media but i don't know i you know some people are uh, some people their brand their social media brand true. is to be jerks true. so true, true, true. that's probably not a big deal i do think that it is very like people are like why is dan didio why was Dan DiDio canned? And it's very likely that he wasn't. It's very likely that he quit, that he saw another opportunity and just, yeah, it just maybe. hasn't been announced yet where he's going. Maybe. I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't know Dan personally. I've never met him. Uh, mm. Every time I have seen him speak, anytime I've seen him do an interview, appear on a late night talk show, anytime that uh, you get, you know, uh, some, some message that he has read, he always seems very positive about comics. You can tell that he's very passionate about comics. So I can't I can't say whether Dan is a good person or a bad person. I have been reading comics since, uh, you know, the uh, the early 80s. Uh, so I can see the directions that DC has gone, uh, both positive and negative. Um, and I've seen regime changes. I mean, um, you know, people weren't screaming the sky was falling when Paul Levitz left. 
Um, but apparently Dan DiDio. I mean, I'm is, sure somebody was somewhere. I'm sure somebody was, but the internet also <laughs> well, wasn't as big back then either. So really, I, I think the, the most myopic thing that happens is that people think people who read comics think that, you know, your editor in chief or your publisher or whatever is let go because of like what they did to Batman. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, like, yeah. or what they allowed. Yeah to happen on Batman and it's not right. it could be sales you know it's like it could trickle I mean, down it could be that they that they did get fired because uh, the books are underperforming which can have something to do with the storylines that they allowed or didn't allow but nobody like the the big wigs aren't like reading the comics and being like I disagree with the portrayal of Booster Gold here Dan DiDio you're out <laughs> yeah 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 it's right. like maybe, no one's, no one's getting fired that. because of Rick Grayson no matter right, what right. any of us think so it. Uh, maybe right. I, I also see some confusion Ashley and since you've worked for comic publishers maybe mm-hmm. you can tell us what is the role of a publisher I mean that's a very different question at DC than it is uh when I, I worked at Top Cow if anyone doesn't know um and the role of a publisher is very much like that of uh, an executive producer or maybe a showrunner uh, for your TV lingo. They are not only working on the day-to-day, so they have the opportunity to check out scripts, uh, to offer notes, to offer plot thoughts, to put down mandates, um, but ultimately they are there protecting the company's best interests. It's much more of a corporate uh, type job than a creative job. I don't know why it's called publisher because I'm sure at some point they actually stood on the floor and said, Okay, start the yeah, presses. Yeah, he, he was probably the one cranking the print handle so it would press the ink to the paper, that kind of stuff. Right, yeah. I'm sure like in Stanley's day that that might have been a real <laughs> part of it. But now it's much more of a like, it's sort of like a brand safeguard. Yeah. Like they are there ostensibly and until such a time as someone decides that they're not or they decide that they're not protecting the best interests of the brand as a whole. And we like to joke a lot about how DC is, it's all just Batman. And that's certainly part of it. But- I mean, the health of DC uh, depends on, just from the comic side, it depends on how Batman is doing and Superman and Wonder Woman and DC Kids and trades and hardcovers. And so the publisher is the person who is quality control for all of those things. And then sometimes, because they always go a little power mad, they'll make a book themselves. <laughs> I mean, that's just human nature. Well, no, I would no, too no, no. if I were the I, publisher. I, totally, I mean, I totally I'm, not, understand that. I'm not trying to be shady about it. No, I no, absolutely no. would too. That's, uh, a, that's a good point though, that your majority of both publishers, editors in chief, I don't know, creator, creative directors mm-hmm. are, are writers or yeah. writer yes, illustrators. Yeah. yeah. So you, uh, yeah, they're going to, they're going to want to write because that's where they come from. Right. You very rarely, I don't know if you ever have get an editor in chief or a publisher who actually comes from like a different side of things, who is like a a book publisher. Give me a nice mm-hmm. letterer for editor editor in chief. Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah, yeah. an anchor, right? <laughs> yeah. So is is Jeff Johns really out of DC? I know he went off to do his own thing and he finished up Doomsday I, he's, Clock. So but... he's not he's not out of DC, but he's not fulfilling the same role that he was. Uh, I don't remember what his title was. Is Sorry. Chief O is a C, not COO. CCO, maybe. Like, yeah, was Chief Creative, Creative Officer. Officer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, you know, when you get to those corporate titles, I'm going to be honest, I don't know what all of them mean. Right. No. Uh, and, who's, I, and who's above whom and whatever. Exactly. The title tells you nothing. Uh, it just tells you that if they got an executive, they're making more money than you. Uh, no, I don't think he's out, but I, I think Jeff is trying to focus more. And I say this as... I, I don't really know him personally, and it's not like I've spoken to him about it, but I think he's trying to focus more on the television and movie side of it. Yeah. It certainly seems. Um, I know he's quite involved with Star... I think he might be showrunning Stargirl. Yes, um, I believe you're right. But I think that this... I think that his shift in title and shift in position allowed him to split his interests a little bit more. Yeah, uh, so I'm, And then I'm... somehow still keep that idea that that three Joker book is ever going to happen. <laughs> I keep um, seeing a lot of people slide into my, into my replies in your DMS, S- not in my DMS, thankfully, although I do have open DMS for people to reach out to me. Um, but I do see a lot of people just replying to me going, Oh man, I hope this means that Jeff Johns is going to be the new publisher of DC comics. I wouldn't hold your breath kids. Yeah. Uh, people also said Gil Simone should do it. And she was like, please stop. Yeah, no, she was like, not, no way. I don't want to do that. So hard. I mean, to be fair, I don't want to. I don't want to do it either. So. No, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't That's envy anybody who's in I there. Mean, I, I, I think at some it. point. 
at some point, everybody's like, you know, if I had control of DC Comics, I would do oh, this course. and this and this. But I think about it, not not that they would ever come knocking for me, but I'm like, that sounds exhausting. That sounds yeah. like an absolutely exhausting and incredibly thankless job. Oh, yeah. I, it, I, sounds, it sounds like a nightmare. I mean, if you yeah. look at it this way, if you've got, say, I don't know, a guy named Bob and he's writing a Bob man. Bob and Harris? he's really, you know, you know, your writer, your writer, Bob. Bob Bob's Harris a writer. is a different guy. He's the editor-in-chief, I think. Um, yep. But you got your writer writing Bob, man, and he's doing this great story that he loves and he thinks is awesome, and he's got this huge fan base. But you have to tell him that you can't do that. You can't kill Bob Man's loyal retinue. You can't have his neck snapped on panel. You can't do that. But, you know, I mean, as, a, as a the publisher, job. I mean, you could. You could make those decisions. I know I know you that if I were put in, in charge as a publisher of DC, I would, the first month... It would have to be business as it was before because I'd be spending the first month visiting every department and them pitching me all their stories that they've been working on. So I have a grasp of, okay, which direction were you going now? Where should we go next? You know, what do we do when we hit the end of the road? Uh, So, yeah. And and again, I don't know. It was an interesting thing to put Jim Lee and Dan DiDio as co-publishers of DC Comics. It was something that left a lot of people scratching their head when this was announced, what, six years ago, I think, Ashley, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, but who's to say that you need to replace the co-publisher? Maybe Jim Lee just stays as the publisher of DC Comics. Uh, we wow. won't know. And I guarantee you we won't know probably until San Diego Comic-Con if they're going to make any big announcements um, as far as publishers. My guess wouldn't is... That be, wouldn't that be awesome if they were just like, we're good? I mean, yeah. they yeah. could. I mean, would be pretty could. rock and roll, honestly. Like, I'd be wild impressed if DC was like, no, 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 we're, certainly good. They we're could, good with Jim. Thanks, bye. Certainly they could decentralize and they could say, look, we're going to put more faith in the editors of each of our lines. Yeah. Uh, you know, our, our, is it the managing editors or the main editors of the Superman titles, the Batman titles, the Justice League and all that stuff. And we're going to just kind of let them do the thing that they want to do. And see how that goes. I mean, that would well, certainly I mean, be an interesting this change. This is Warner Brothers, so that's definitely not going to happen. No, it probably won't. It and would, I love, I love it when you say it. I love how it sounds. No, I mean, it just re- really decentralizes and gives the power back to the editors to kind of yeah. have that that control of that freedom of really shaping those stories that they are most intimate with. And I don't another mean that in a weird way. Either. Yeah, another nightmarish aspect of the job, not just dealing with both the fans and with the people below you, but dealing with the powers that be and Mm -hmm. defending decisions Mm -hmm. to them and then having to go back and defend decisions to your underlings. It Mm -hmm. just like, God, what a, what, what an awful job for something that's supposed to be fun. Well, there's a reason why those jobs pay so well, Mm -hmm. Uh, like many jobs in the entertainment industry. And it's it's basically hush money for the nonsense that you have to deal with. And that's also, you know, sort of the downfall of working in a creative industry is people are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, I I know nothing about what D.C. is planning to do next. So don't come and ask me. So what's going to what's going to happen to D.C.? I don't know. Could be business as usual. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you, it's probably going to be business as usual. So does this mean that Generation 5 is going to be canceled since that was Dan's baby? I don't know. It may be too late. This was supposed to be something that was already, you know, it's uh, the the, the triggers already been pulled. have to be done five months ahead. That's almost a full half a year. So free comic book day has already been solicited. We can get all the way to like July or August before anything is yeah. out that's that's be, that's being worked on right now even touches the shelf like yeah. there's so much time yeah so i mean there's uh we don't know i mean I, I have no idea i can't speculate i don't know i haven't heard anything you know as far as i know the the the, the generation five stuff was stuff that's been whispered uh and rumored for the last year and a half something like that that we heard about w- what's going to happen aging up the characters and and doing stuff we've already seen the wonder woman uh 750 issue drop uh, Flash 750, I believe, drops next month, middle of next month, something Robin's like that. Robin's birthday is coming. Robin's birthday My is coming. He's got angel. a big He's got a big 80th anniversary special. We'll see if anything happens with that. But, I mean, those are the places where to look. But a lot of this stuff is, hey, we're steering a giant ship. Mm-hmm. And uh, giant ships don't turn on a dime. It's uh, something that's going to take some time to to slide into. And that's the other thing. And Ashley and I have talked about this before. I think Matthew and Rodrigo we have as well. Uh, the DC kids and the DC zoom, how it really didn't oh, get a chance to flourish as DC kids and Z- DC zoom before they're like, Nope, we're just going to put this all into, uh, 
whatever the the DC Kids uh, it's called, line is. It's called Kids Now. It yeah. was called, I think, Ink and Zoom before. And yes. I'm going to be honest, I didn't know which one was which. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, you know, <laughs> that didn't even get a chance to get off the ground before they're, like, changing stuff. So they can still change stuff before June. They could say, hey, all you well, writers. They got, they got that new president, remember, because uh, Diane Nelson stepped down. Yeah, that guy's been in that position for two or three years now, I want to say. But then there's been some other shakeups at Warner Brothers. I don't know. You, you can go look on Variety. That's probably a good source of reliable information. Uh, but I would say, and we talked about this in the uh, Major Spoilers pre-show, uh, be critical thinkers of the things that you're hearing online and people are talking yep. about and seeing if those things are are really believable or not. We also talked about Bob Iger being out at, uh, at DC or stepping aside and bringing in a new guy, or not at DC, at, at Disney, and stepping mm-hmm. aside. Those two things, Rodrigo, don't have any correlation with one another, right? Bob Iger <laughs> being out and Dan DiDio being out doesn't mean that Disney is going to buy Marvel, right? Or that Disney is going to buy DC, right? I mean, they already bought Marvel. That was an Bob, Iger job. Bob Iger being out and Dan DiDio going out does has nothing to do with how Batman was being written. <laughs> Look, it has nothing to do with who needs we can't, to be blamed for this. Mercury is in retrograde and we're all go. just holding on for dear life. Here's the thing that I can tell you. Dan DiDio was not fired because of the, the Snyder cut. So there you go. Oh, yeah. boy. If you, you said have, it. If you have They're any questions, find us now. that's fine. Find me. You, no, find don't me. Call them. Pri- find me. Find me. You guys no. know it's true. That is not the reason why he was fired and stop saying that crazy stuff. In the meantime, let's do some reviews. Matthew, what do you got uh, for us this week? Looks like, oh, I speaking of DC Comics. I don't want to be a part of a show. You said the <laughs> S word and now the people are going to come looking for me and I don't I mean, want to I could talk, be talk to uh, there could also We could also be talking about Scott Snyder. So you know, I wouldn't say the S word. Right. It's the, it's the Donnie Snyder cut. The yeah. Snyders of Hanover cut. There you exactly. go. Ooh, <laughs> I love their mustard pretzels. Yeah, those are pretty good. See, Rodrigo knows how to get me back on task, and it's to mention food. So, <laughs> Always lead out. with a carrot and not by the stick. Exactly. Now write tell us your review. Tell us your review right now. Later. <laughs> My review this week, Wonder Twins, number 12 of 12 from the Wonder Comics uh, slash DC Comics. Um, written by Mark Russell, who I loved his piano specials back in the 80s. Art by Stephen Byrne. And it is the final issue. It is the 12th issue of a six-issue limited series. And I got to tell you, there are two books on the stands right now that are on the 12th issue of a six-issue limited series. And sometimes you can tell, and sometimes you can't. This one feels like you can tell, but it also feels like you can tell in a good way. Uh, The final issue of Wonder Twins has Zan and Jaina basically having saved the day. They have taken care of all of the big problems. The only thing that they have to deal with now is the fact that the Justice League of America wants them to know that they are not actual members. And so their actions in trying to save the world were, in fact, inappropriate. And so they get a dressing down from a very square-headed Superman uh, who tries to tell them that they need to... It's it's a, you know, a generation gap thing. They need to follow the rules. There's a process. There are things you have to do to justify your actions. And, of course, Jane is like, fine, sit here in your knitting circle and argue about the rules, which leads to Hawkman saying to himself, I like knitting, which I think is probably the funniest line in the book. Um, He's got those if, big nth metal needles. Exactly. I love the mental image of that. Brings me so much joy. They just fly. He actually knit the wings himself. <laughs> knit one pearl two stab oh man people. i want to see somebody send me a picture of someone who has knitted a hawk man or or hawk woman cowl get right I on bet, that i folks. bet it's been done on Etsy. i, be, I bet it has been you, you know what hour. carl i know you're out there carl make us you one it's a hawk man suit yeah knit, knit us a hawk man cowl that'd be awesome now Back in 1989, Carl promised to make me a sweater, and I know I'm big, but I'm not that big. So there may be a little bit of a backlog for Carl's services, but anyway, somebody knit us a Hawkman. And uh, Lex Luthor is still a jerk. Lex Luthor does some things in this issue that causes some problems. And somehow, in the 12th issue of 6, we also get a brand new supervillain introduced, just out of the blue, which I'm kind of fine with, I guess. I just... Ah, that's just, why Dan DiDio was fired. Yeah, that's why Dan DiDio was fired. No, Dan DiDio was fired because Gleek is in this issue, and Gleek flips out and attacks a guy and tries to rip his face off because he's a space monkey. That's what monkeys do. Uh, yeah, and then the kids panic, and they're like, they transform into a puddle and a pug. 
Now there's a, there's a there's a person that I uh, talk to sometimes online who has this theory, and it goes like this: Some writers write things that they hate in order to make fun of them and transform them into something different. And I'm not saying that's what's happening here, because transforming into a puddle and a pug, while a silly image, does actually you know resolve the situation. It but it does seem like a moment where you could you could come up with something different. And again, I understand that the whole point of this is parody. This is parody in the same vein as Russell's uh, work on the Flintstones. Yep. This is parody that's meant to kind of, you know, take the P word out of the cliches of comics, which is fine. But it also ends with a very earnest sort of, hey, you kids were right. We're going to give you your own building and we're going to call it asterisk, you know, risk, asterisk. And you are going to have specific situations that you're in charge of looking out for. And you're going to have a computer that allows you to do all these things. And it's going to be awesome. And you're going to be an official part of the Justice League Auxiliary Reserve. And it's cool. And it's another one of those moments where you get to the end of the book and you're like, man, I'd like to see more of this. And then the the little cynical part of your brain that's been reading comics since 1982 says, and you never will. <laughs> The funny thing is their first two recruits are going to be named Wendy and Marvin. Probably. That yeah. would actually be awesome. But uh, all in all, the moral of the story is very ham-fisted. Uh, I love the twins together. I do love Zan and Jaina. And I love the fact that they have made Zan into kind of a a weird wannabe influencer kid, which is a cliche, but it's a cliche in a different way than what you'd expect from a Zan and Jaina story. Matthew, don't talk which about like. me like that. Hey, 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 <laughs> that's my wife. You're bad mouthing <laughs> as far as anyone knows, but yeah, uh, three out of five uh, slices of the magical meatloaf. It's got a character named cell phone, Sylvia, which could add a star or remove a star depending on how you feel. And even if, people theorize that certain writers write things because they hate them and they want to either wreck them or fix them. It comes out being pretty solid. It's not my favorite wonder comic series, but it's in the top three. And I think there are six wonder comic series. So that means it's in the top half. That's kind of cool. There you go. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, since we've been talking about DC since the beginning of the show, why don't we just continue the action with <laughs> Zatanna and the house of secrets. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Ashley, this is one of those uh, aforementioned DC kids comics. Oh, it is because I sure am reading all of them. Oh, that's nice. I've got I've got them all. I've got all the advanced ones that they've released right now too, and they're not too bad. Uh, this is the latest one that's been released. Came out last week. This is from the line that is definitely for your younger readers. So my criticism of it is the plot's pretty simple, but it is written for eleven year olds, and I haven't been eleven for like ten years. I'm very young, so <laughs> I did reading it find it to find the plot to be a little bit basic. You get a young teenage Zatanna who, like, truly for the first time has all her clothes on, which is a thrilling development for me. And she's living in the house. She's living in this weird house with her dad. And they make Zatara visibly a person of color, which I just think is delightful. He kind of looks like a sexy, balding Ra's al Ghul, which I'm very here for as an updated version of Zatara. So Zatanna in this book has a very hot dad. And... The whole book is illustrated by Yoshi Yoshitani, who is an artist who I have followed for years on Instagram and who I kind of know for drawing um, people with no clothes on. Oh. So to see their work on a children's book, I was like, I mean, I know it's going to be beautiful, but is everyone going to have their clothes on? And they have the most clothes on, so it works out okay. So even though I love their style, I was a little like, oh, I'm used to seeing people tied up and here you are with... Zatanna wearing a high-necked shirt and pants. And she has a magical rabbit called Pocus, who is a puka. Uh, puka is a magical spirit animal across several uh, magic traditions. So I thought that was cool. It's pretty well-researched in terms of where the magic comes from, whether it's from a pre-existing tradition within the DC universe or whether it's an actual magic tradition that they're expounding on. And if listeners remember from my review of Raven, which was the Raven 
DC kids book was set in New Orleans, I really Mm -hmm. like well-researched witchcraft. And this book does a great job at that. My favorite thing about it is that her villain is Clarion the Witch Boy. I love Clarion. He's he's so great. I'm going to be him some year for Halloween. But that also means that Tickle is in the book. Oh. And Tickle is a little orange kitty, and I have an orange kitty. So every time Tickle shows up, I was really happy. The plot turns on who is the actual uh, custodian of the House of Secrets because Clarion's evil witch queen mom wants it. So it is parent and child versus parent and child. And all Clarion kind of wants to do is like hold hands with Zatanna and be her friend. It's very, very sweet. It's a really cute introduction to these characters. It's beautiful. Uh, But like I said, I thought it was a little simple, probably because it's for children's. So I will give it a four out of five. I found it to be delightful. And I hope this is one of the ones that goes into an ongoing series because the mystical corner of the DC universe, I think, is tragically unsung. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. So I'm curious, Zatanna and Clarion are the same age in this? They are. Okay. That, cause that but does... he goes to which school and she goes to public school. Oh, man. I'm getting mm-hmm. some Sabrina first season vibes here. Uh, I mean, it's uh, as someone who very much enjoys the Sabrina show, it's better written than that. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> hey, I enjoy the Sabrina show too. So, yeah, I love it. But uh, yeah. All right. Will Swenson's in season three. It's great. All right. Uh, I'm only still in the <laughs> middle of season two, but I'll get there. I promise. Uh, okay, thank you for that, Ashley. And let's see. Oh, uh, Rodrigo, what do you what do you got from us? Something from DC Comics, perhaps? Uh, I do not have something oh, from DC way to Comics. Go. All right, and this is and this is, and this is why this is why Dan DeDio was fired. Yep. <laughs> Read your emails. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, no, I don't have something from DC Comics. I have something from Action Lab. Oh, okay. Hey. Hey, I know uh, they're the ones that publish a uh, Jupiter jet. All true. Yeah. And it's coming another volume coming out soon. Be on the lookout kids. Yeah. Keep your girl, eyes out for city girl with a jet pack published by dog with a jet pack. Yes. Um, so uh, this is a, a violent kind of thriller type. Oh, that's the book. other side of the publishing house. Yeah, this, the other, this would yes, be the, the, the danger, danger zone, zone. imprint. So, yeah. Yes, this is the da- Action Lab's Danger Zone imprint uh, is what brings us this uh, dark, violent uh, take on the kind of like 90s lone hero action genre um, starring a beaver. Like a, a talking cartoon beaver. Uh, this is Mr. Beaver number one. Uh, by uh, Pablo Verdugo Munoz, uh, both name. yeah, both uh, writer and artist, um, and I mean that's kind of what it is. It's this um, action heavy. Uh, I like it. It reminds me of um, Lethal Weapon, Super Cop, that kind of thing. But the main character is uh, like a I don't know four foot tall cartoon beaver. Uh, who is like very, very intense and serious. Um, he's the only beaver or the only talking animal that we see so far. Everybody else is like people. Um, uh, this is this book is also very sort of uh, informed by uh, kind of anime and manga. We find out that uh, one of the basically Mr. Beaver's motivation for being uh, for working with the police uh, because he's like a kind of a vigilante for hire and he gets like deputized to to uh, solve a mystery is that he wants to track down the 12 and the 12, which he has tattooed their symbols on his arms, uh, are uh, very clearly uh, represented by uh, or, or are representative of the Zodiac. So uh, if you're familiar with uh, astrology at all, You'll see his arms and you'll be able to basically tell um, that it's like Aries and Taurus and so forth. Mm-hmm. Lobo, um, Sagittarian. Right. <laughs> Lobo. Mm-hmm. The motorcyclist, of course. Yeah. Lobo, the sign of the wolf. And then there's like asparagus. Yeah. I mean, if you ever, ever want to have a good time, look at the Southern Zodiac, which doesn't really get a lot of play, but it's like toucan and like palm tree and stuff. It's like a lot more relaxed. Lucky charms and... Yeah. Oh, it's uh, after we look at charms. So, um, 
Uh, this book is violent, so you should know that going in. Very violent. Um, and it's the sort of thing where uh, if this was not a talking beaver, if this was a person, I would be like, all right, all right, calm down. Like, this is a little bit too much for this, like, guy to be, like, this awesome and good at things. But, you know, because it's kind of a Howard the Duck type situation, um, it, it makes it a lot more palatable when our, our hero is an unstoppable uh, badass. Also, uh, another anime trope is that uh, he went to a... Uh, like kind of a ninja school and i think some of the 12 did as well and that's kind of where he knows them from uh it's there's a lot going on here Uh, i'm going to give it four slices of meatloaf Uh, i'm really interested in it certainly that as as the series progresses could go up um i'm already like looking at the art and being like oh here's like a guy with like white hair like platinum white hair it's like oh and here's a different one are they related kind of stuff and uh, it's you know it's it's interesting there's a lot going on the art is very good i'm i'm really into it um and it transitions pretty seamlessly between what i feel are its two big influence which is like hardcore like under siege type nonsense and anime nonsense uh so i'm i'm pretty interested in seeing where it goes all right. Very cool. Very very cool. Uh out this week from Dark Horse Comics is Hidden Society number 1. Uh, and, um, this is an interesting book. Uh, there's something weird going on. There's a world of, of magic and deities and demons and evil people and good people fighting for the light right alongside our normal world. And if you look close, maybe you'll be able to spot it and something is going on with monsters or something. And so a wizard who's been around forever enlists a group of magical people, a blind girl who has a demon. There's a young magician kid who I first, I thought was a somebody who was a short of stature until I realized, Oh no, this is like a 15 year old kid. And then there's a bounty hunter who goes out and kills people. Um, they all come together for a task. Problem is in hidden society. Number one, we don't know what that task is because we're introduced in like four, four different vignettes who each of the people are, who each of these main characters are. And we see them either performing magic or in the case of the blind girl and her demon, uh, taking out some bad guys. In the case of the old wizard, we get a little bit with him. Uh, the young magician kid makes the Brooklyn bridge disappear literally because of magic. And they're all brought together in this weird new world. And I'm not saying at the end, uh, someone says you're really a wizard, Harry, uh, but it kind of feels that way a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit more adult because uh, in the beginning, the um, I forget what the girl is, who is the, the bounty hunter girl. Uh, she just annihilates a guy uh, pretty graphically. Um, so I, that's what happens. We get introduced to these four characters. We don't know how they fit together in the world. We don't know what the big danger is uh, because that's where the issue ends. So it's interesting. I get an introduction to this world, which is kind of cool. It's not any different than anything we haven't seen already. Um, but I was kind of hoping that we would kind of say, the world is about to end and we need your help. And we don't even get that. Um, So it kind of did leave me scratching my head a little bit in this first installment. If you are someone who likes magical comics, maybe you will uh, enjoy this. Um, If you know who Orcus is and you always picture him one way, uh, a little, little short uh, demon probably is not the way that, uh, that you pictured him, but that's how he's drawn in this book. But if you're someone who's into magic and the Harry Potter and the, the Zatanna's stuff, I think you'll probably enjoy this. And I think that the series will probably get better as it goes along. Uh, the art is by Raphael Albuquerque, and I'm a big fan of his work. Uh, so, um, you know, that's a plus right there. And it's enough to give this first outing of the Hidden Society um, four out of five slices of meatloaf. I enjoyed it enough. I wish there was a little bit more to the story or a little bit more given as to what what they're going to be going against. But I guess that's going to happen in issue two. So there you go. Or maybe it'll never happen. Maybe that's the hook. Maybe it will never happen. Maybe they'll go up against gangsters. Oh, no, that's already been done. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You guys know it snowed again today. Not here. Not, not here. here, did. Well, certainly not in California, but we got uh, quite a bit of snow. Not anything that's going to accumulate or keep us locked in the house for the <laughs> next month. But 
I do know that when I have to go start my car in the morning, I want my hands to be nice and toasty warm. That's why I'm going to go to isotoner.com and I'm going to use the checkout code MAJOR to get 25% off my order at isotoner.com. That's right, M-A-J-O-R. That's the word you want to use at isotoner.com. Get your gloves, get all your other uh, cool, cool accessories and uh, wear them. Wear them with style and pride and do all those cool things that you do. It'll get warm eventually, but then next year, first time it snows again, you're going to be able to put those those gloves on and you're going to be able to go out in style and you're going to save 25% when you use the checkout code MAJOR at isotoner.com. Nice. Uh, let's talk Motor Crush Volume 1, which is only the kind of the introduction. I mean, it does come to a big uh, cliffhanger. But uh, anybody want to disagree with me that this is not Speed Racer? Uh, no. I'm... Wait, that's a double negative. Am I not not saying that it's Speed Racer? I say, am Motor, I Cru- I say Motor Crush is Speed Racer, but on motorcycles and with drugs. Well, it's. I mean, obviously it's got some other stuff going on, but um, definitely the moment Racer X shows up. Yes. I was, <laughs> I was well... like, oh, great. You know, it's like, it's not exactly Speed Racer, but it's got a lot of the tropes that make Speed Racer work. And that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Crazy there's a races, lot of, uh, there's a lot of Sailor Moon, too, in the designs. Like, there's a character here who's, and I said this when I reviewed one of the volumes a hundred years ago on this podcast. There's a character who is basically Dark Lady. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. In their design. Which so, is cool. It's a great design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of familiar elements in it. I would say that, you know, having seen the original issues, uh, I don't know that it's exactly Speed Racer, but it's definitely got a Speed Racer vibe. And and that's and what I'm I guess sure I'm getting at. There's like right. a sub a sub like section of manga that is all about racing and competing that we just don't know the name of that we're just gonna call I'm gonna call it Maha. And that's clearly what this is. It's that. So give us a rundown, uh, Matthew, of what, what's going on in this story, first of all. We've kind of hinted that if you've seen Speed Racer, I think you're going to be up to speed on this. Um, ha, no pun intended. But I feel like it's definitely inspired. Not that that is a bad thing. Okay. Thank you for, thank you for laughing at my jokes, Ashley. I appreciate it. <laughs> we have to be careful because animation costs money. Ha ha. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, uh, Domino Swift is a semi-successful uh, motorcycle racer by day and a super successful underground murderous motorcycle racer by night who also has a strange addiction to something that is uncomfortably treated like drugs uh, throughout the whole issue, uh, throughout the whole story, and is basically trying to win her big race and also earn more drugs and figure out the backstory of how she came to be adopted by her father. And there's a lot of complicated stuff going on. Uh, when, and then there's when, a, when racer X shows up, it explains a little bit when the uh, okay. inverted uh, pyramid shows up, that explains a little bit. One question right. I have though. Uh, so the art in here is really cool. And the coloring in here is really, really cool. Uh, this, yeah. this crush is this really weird fuchsia pink glowy stuff that yeah, looks really looks cool on the page. But I do have a question. Crush is something that you're supposed to put in your motorcycle, right? And that's what right. sets that's what sets Domino apart from everyone else because she actually needs to inhale it to survive. Yeah, it's basically it in like poppers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I didn't know if this was supposed to be like a nitrous that you put in your in your race car to make it go fast if that's what Crush was and that's why it was uh, outlawed for the legal uh, motorcycle racing, uh, or if there were actually other people who were out there huffing, uh, huffing the crush. Well, the implication that I get uh, from that is that she is somehow part machine or not entirely human in yeah. a way that makes her part machine. I, I think the, yeah, there's I think a, the there's floating a lot UFO of, sequence kind of, uh, there's, let us there's know a that. lot of things we don't know. Uh, so what we do know is that, she is, as far as we know, the only person that can consume Crush and not die because we see right. it being force-fed to someone and they blow up in a, actually a pretty gruesome sequence. Yeah. Um, so we don't know what Crush is or where it comes from. We don't know what the involvement of the inverted pyramid is. We don't know what uh, this mysterious racer is up to, but he has stated... Um, he, I believe, um, has stated that he is like her mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he knows that she's dependent on crush and he even gives her some. 
Um, so uh, we we kind of there's there's still a lot of mysteries, but yes, uh, crush is something that goes into in your like gas tank. Mm-hmm. It's not something that people can drink, except she's some sort of strange, maybe. Uh, maybe she's half motorcycle. I don't know. Mm, um, she does have like a weird spinal thing, and I don't know if that's part of her outfits. Yeah, or if does it's that... like she actually has like a robot back. Yeah, now that was shown on the, I think the cover of this volume, but nowhere in the issue does it come up. And so I'm wondering if there's a little bit too much spoiler on that cover for something that doesn't even happen until maybe volume two. I think yeah, I that's know. meant to be like brace armor. It looks like oh, it okay. might be kind of motocross armor. Okay. All right. That's, but that's that's kind of the problem when you have a very kind of distinct, like very uh, like uh, unusual rendered world. It's sometimes it's hard to tell. It's like is is this a normal human? Is that a normal human? Like uh, in like. Uh, um, yeah, it's just it's just difficult to tell because everything's so stylized. You just kind of have to wait until either they tell you outright that this is not something that happens normally with people, or that right. normal people don't have this, or that that's a piece of armor and not a character's head. Right. Um, it, it, it can be a little bit difficult when when things are so stylized and so cool that the world doesn't necessarily you you can't necessarily one to one say this is like it is in our world mhm yeah it's it's a very unique i think it's a very unique book from the aesthetics right the just oh, yeah. the the creativity that goes into um you know the each individual character which is very unique you know you've got the very thin domino you've got uh the i'm guessing ex-girlfriend with the super mm-hmm. wavy hair yeah you've got uh the the hotshot, uh, good-looking head of the entire race motorcycle race guy, who's got very angular design, and then you got Pops, who's this, this big, wide, one-legged guy that's that's uh, bossing everyone around. Also, not fully human, yeah. like Domino. Yeah, so it's 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 super cool uh, from the art style. I think the story is pretty much straightforward too. Here's a girl that is you know, straddling both worlds and uh, she gets into a little trouble when her stash of crush is stolen and she makes a deal not only to get her ex-girlfriend out of trouble with the with the mafia, but also to maybe get herself into uh, in or out of trouble uh, for trying to steal crush. And um, it sets up, you know, this big race that she must win or lose or uh, forever be in trouble. And then the in cliffhanger is she ingests a bunch of crush and shows up two two years later. Uh, from the story, I think was a very interesting cliffhanger for that. I was not expecting that in the direction that the story was going. And I don't know if that is a good thing or a bad thing. Part of me was like, oh, that's kind of a letdown because I wanted to see her go win the big race and save her, save her girlfriend and, um, you know, save the day. And then because she didn't show up for the race, apparently right. none of that happened. So, and her dad's maybe dead. We don't know. He's adopt adop- adopted father. Um, so we don't know. So I don't know. What did you guys think of that ended? Was it just too much, too much too soon? Um, what what do you think there, Matthew? I, I'm not entirely sure about the ending because again, as you said, and I think we've referenced a couple of times, it seems like one thing is happening in the first four issues. And then the fifth issue really turns everything on its head. That is great. That is something that I want to see more of in comics. And I want to be surprised and I want the unexpected. But the way it happens, you get, okay, she drinks the 15 vials of crush and she's like, woohoo, I'm on a Mountain Dew buzz. And then we get to that very last issue and it's just a big dun dun dun. And I don't know about you guys, but I haven't seen any volume two of Motor Crush and I've. You know, I read this a while ago and I'm like, I want to know what happens next. Yeah. So it's a successful crossover or cross cliffhanger. Rather, it's a successful cliffhanger, but I don't know if it works for me it, within well, the context been out for of two years. On. So yeah. it does Has exist. It? Yeah. yeah. You lie. Nope, it's June 2018. Yep. You're I'm lying. looking, I'm looking at the Amazon page right now. <laughs> You're lying. Speaking of, if anybody wants I was like, I'm to... pretty sure I reviewed it on Major Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> Volume 3 is also out. So. Uh, oh, good. And, and speaking of Amazon, uh, if you would, uh, head over to Majorspoilers.com, click on that Amazon link. You can buy Motor Crush Volume 1, Volume 2, Volume 3, however many volumes there are. It's not going to cost you anything extra. 
But Amazon reaches into Jeff Bezos's pocket and sends a little bit of that uh, billion dollars our way. If enough of you do it soon, <laughs> Jeff Bezos will go from being a billionaire to being a billionaire. Uh, Ashley, what did you think what? of the, What did you think what? of the ending of this what? volume? Why? No. Having um, in the past worked in a image comics publisher. I know that you are highly encouraged to end your first volume on a cliffhanger so that once they have purchased the $9.99 volume one, they will purchase the $14.99. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that until just now. Yes, uh, that is a good old trick. That is a good trick. uh, Give them a taste of the crush and then they come back for more and you charge them almost double the price. Brilliant. It's not a rule, but it's definitely something that Image encourages people to do. So I would say if you're just going to be reading this first volume, it's a bit unsatisfying. It feels a bit like the end of Pirates of the Caribbean 2. You're like, wow, now I have to go read the rest of them. You've literally given me no choice. Um, But I read these issues when they were being released month to month. um, And the wait was a little, it was long, but it wasn't too, too long. Um, And it pays off in an interesting way. So I will encourage people, if they liked it but were frustrated by the ending, it is worth it is worth continuing the read to see what happens after the time jump because it's pretty cool. All right, Rodrigo, what were your thoughts on on how this book ended? I mean, uh, I really like this idea that Image is like try to end it on a big cliffhanger so you can sell that next volume. Yeah, I mean that's that's fine. the The cliffhanger doesn't really bother me too much, uh, but yeah, I feel like there's there were some things that were set up like it's like oh here comes the big race and everything, and it's like now it's two years later. And it's like, I, I, I know that you ha- they have to set up your expectations so then they can smash them. Yeah. Um, but there's a difference between like, we're setting up this cool idea of something that's going to happen, like a big, big, crazy, violent race. And then being like, but actually you missed it. It's like <laughs> that, that sort of expectation flip is not always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, where where the book leads you to believe that something interesting is going to happen, and then it turns out that maybe something else interesting is going to happen, but you didn't get to see that interesting thing that it was setting up. Um, so that's really my only issue with the way that it ends. Um, you know, time big time jumps are uh, are a very powerful storytelling tool. And it would be downright hypocritical of me to to criticize a, a big time jump. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag critical hit. Hashtag keep it cryptic. I was going to say hypocritical. Hypocritical. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Good one, Ashley. Uh, <laughs> so if people are kind of wanting to know, get a feel, I mean, I'm not saying it's a one-to-one kind of thing, but if you're kind of wanting to know about um, this creative team, which is um, uh, Brendan Fletcher and Cameron Stewart and Babs Tarr. They did uh, Batgirl. They had a pretty good run in 2015 on Batgirl. So if you like that, you probably will like, and this was the Batgirl of, uh, this is where she was Bird's wearing, eye. of Bird's Eye, where she was wearing the cool shoes and all that stuff. I really like the design. by uh, Cameron Stewart. Yeah, I really, yeah. really, really like that, that design and that aesthetic. And the way that they were going with that story um, worked for me. Uh, so if you are fans of that work, I think maybe you'll be a fan of Motor Crush Volume 1. Um, I liked how the story was being set up. I liked how everything moved. I liked the art. I liked the conflict between all of the people. I liked uh, Domino Swift's uh, struggle that she had to do in making these decisions. Everything lined up. Boom, 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 boom. I was just really shocked by the ending. That is the the biggest thing that I'm going to put an asterisk on there. And say, eh, mm, eh, this is the one thing that is a little bit problematic to me. It does kind of make me want to go read issue two now, or volume two, so that I can see how does she deal with being gone for two years, and what were the impacts, and where's her dad at, and all those other things. Um, so I enjoyed it, but um, I'd probably give it like three and a half slices of meatloaf out of it, just because of the ending. Everything else I thought was really good. Uh, if you're a fan of uh, Speed Racer, I think you'll enjoy this. Uh, I think if you're a fan of maybe even a little bit of Steven Universe in here, I think you might enjoy this. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Uh, I'll give it a I'll give it a go. Check it out. Recommendation. Um, Ashley, what is your final thoughts on Motor Crash Volume One from Image Comics? 
I always really enjoyed Motor Crush. I think it is very, very cool. I think it's a little, it focuses a little more on Flash Mm, mm -hmm. than on story until a bit later in the series. But I think, I just think it's fun. And I don't need all of my comics to be deep and philosophical. Right. I think that if any part of it appeals to you, it's definitely worth checking out. I like the creative team a lot. Um, I like pretty much everything Brendan Fletcher does. So I was in on this from the get-go. And I'd highly recommend picking it up and support indie comics because it matters more that you support this than that you support Batman. Because Mm -hmm. if you support independent comics, you might actually save uh, a CEO from getting fired, unlike with DC. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. The time bomb on that joke. Uh, Matthew, what are your final <laughs> thoughts on Motor Crush Volume 1? This is Dan. Dan is rapidly running out of time. Um, no, I I feel like for me, the ending wasn't the first time that things were intentionally subverted in a way that made me kind of go, oh. And while I appreciate that, and I feel like it's definitely a trick that writers can use and should use it's something that you know keeps every story from being the same joseph campbell was not in fact giving us a literal map for every single story what? it doesn't mean that if you don't follow the monomyth your story is bad ladies and gentlemen find the internet people who say that and punch them punch them right in the nose but i feel like there are three or four times where really interesting things are brought up added into the mix of the story and then just kind of and then we move on to something else there there's a a phenomenon that i like to look at when it comes to a book is do i feel like it's driven by visuals or do i feel like it's driven by a story and this one is driven by some gorgeous gorgeous visuals there's some really pretty pictures in here uh and when racer x whatever his name is shows up and he does his little screech thing and there's that half page of him doing the screech on his cool black bike with the pinky accents i'm like yeah that's that's my new wallpaper right there. <laughs> but story-wise, I was not satisfied with, and I'm glad that Ashley claims that there claims that there's a second volume out there because I really want to read it to see if we get into that second volume and we still have that same feeling of not necessarily having the rug pulled out from under me, but having the rug moving away from me as I'm trying to step on it about three times during the story. So I liked it. But I feel like I wanted more. This is kind of the trade paperback mm-hmm. equivalent mm-hmm. of that first issue that doesn't quite feel like a satisfying full story. And I feel like that's a flaw, but it's not a fatal flaw here. It's definitely one that I want to come back for more. But I feel like, why did you do this to me? Why did you? Why? Why would you do this to me? Why? I've shown you nothing but love, Moto Crush. What are you doing? Yeah, there you go. Rodrigo, final thoughts from you. You get the final word this week. Yeah, the really, uh, it, it looks real good. Um, it's, it's very cool. Uh, the only thing that doesn't work for me is I feel like the book is like, well, our protagonist is on drugs. And here's uh, a trade paperback talking about how she's actually not. And it's okay that she is. And her dad's like, okay with it because she's like a space alien or something. Um, but it's weird because they invoke that very powerful image of basically somebody who needs a fix really bad and they do it multiple times. And then they spend a lot of time kind of being like, but, but you don't know what's really going on. And I'm like, but this is a very visual book and this is what you're showing me. That's really the only issue that I have with it. Like you guys said, it looks super cool. This is worth picking up just for the art. Mm -hmm. Um, I like Bastar a lot. Uh, she's, uh, She's got a lot of cool stuff online. I don't know if you guys ever saw that, like Sailor Moon redesign where they're all oh, like yeah, yeah. biker chicks. Mm-hmm. It's just fantastic stuff. And and you see a lot of that style here in the book. So like I said, it's worth it. It's worth it just for the art. All right. There you go. Thank you, Rodrigo, for being on the show this week. Where can people find you on the onlines? Uh, you can find me at Fearsome Critter on Twitter, mostly. All right. And Matthew, where can people find you? Find me at Mighty King Cobra. Uh, watch around my lunchtime, uh, 11 p.m. Uh, or 11 a.m. Central Time, and see if weird stuff happens on my Twitter. All right. And Ashley, what about you? You got a lot of things going on. 
Sure. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ashley B. Robinson. Please send me cute pictures of Robin. That always makes me super happy. You can find Geek History Lesson in the Major Spoilers podcast feed. This week we did a retrospective on Avatar The Last Airbender because it's 15 years old and that's horrifying. And uh, you can find me in real life if you are in Los Angeles performing at the Hudson Theater in the Wallace Studio Ensemble's production of Lucid. It's great. Uh, I take off all my clothes and not in a fun way, in a scary way. Please come see it. We're closing this weekend. All right. That wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. As always, we love to hear your feedback. So use the comments section at Major Spoilers to share your thoughts and reactions to this episode. Or even better, send us an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. And we will be back next week because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. I'm gonna rearrange your face if you continue to debate whether This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.